This is the White Hot Magazine Art World Podcast. I'm your host, Noah Becker. Today we're talking to Kofi Fosu Forsen. He's a writer, artist, and poet from Ghana who moved to New York with his family and was launched into the art, music, and writing scene of New York City. I'll be discussing his history, his time at School of Visual Arts, and his career as a writer, artist, and poet on the downtown East Village, New York scene. Hey, Noah. Hi, Kofi. Welcome to the program. How are you doing today? I'm good, Noah. It's a beautiful day here. I'm just happy to talk to you. Great. Uh, Well, I wanted to connect with you about your history. um, And I think a good place to start would be to talk a bit about your uh, childhood in Ghana and how you got involved in art. Yeah, interestingly, uh, I started drawing uh, back when I was a young boy in Ghana. I went to a school called the Royal Preparatory, and there I started drawing mostly athletes. We had a Super Bowl yesterday. I was drawing football players, what we call soccer, or rather what is known as soccer. Um, I was drawing uh, mostly athletes, playing sports, equestrians, riding horses, and that's what I started off with until I moved to New York in the late 70s. Um, I got caught up on art and pornography, believe it or not, um, pornography and art and uh, pornography and literature. And I started drawing centerfolds. Um, yeah, I got inspired by uh, Picasso's uh, Demoiselle d'Avignon. Um, and my mother got a hold of that and got very upset with me. So she got me courses at the Metropolitan Museum of Art. And I was taking summer courses there. I think the director there was Rika Berman, or Burnham was her name. Um, yeah, so I got you know introduced to the American artists of the canon and, and European artists as well. Uh, I started doing uh, compositions and narratives. Um, yeah, so the Metropolitan Museum of Art was a good start for me. So I mean, you know, going built a foundation for me, um, mm-hmm. and then I you know basically got into um, SVA, and and that's when I just kind of spearheaded mm-hmm. from there. Okay, so when did your When did your family move from Ghana to New York, and why did they move from Ghana to New York? Well, my father was living here, working for the uh, United Nations, and uh, this was back in the late 70s. I think Jimmy Carter was president, and uh, my father wanted my mother and my brothers to move here to just get get a better life, basically, right? And, uh, you know, we got here in the late 70s, and um, it just kind of opened things up for me, And, and the family itself, you know, we're kind of introduced to American culture and, and the idea of me being a Ghanaian uh, in, in, a, in a school, um, a Catholic school, was quite eye-opening for them as it was for me as well. Uh, and I was treated like a, a king, almost like a prince, you know. Uh, most of my classmates had never really seen an African before and uh, they just kind of opened the, um, the door for me to walk through. It was quite difficult, you know, being the being the only um, African student in a classroom of white students. And it took quite a while for me to get settled. And I think I'm trying to settle in right now after all these different years now. So struggling to find myself as a, an African living in America, it's, it's quite difficult. Mm-hmm. And what was the city in Ghana? It's called, well, the city was uh, Accra, Accra, Ghana. Um, 
yeah, um, I went to the rock repertory and I, uh, it was a beautiful time for me as a young boy. I lived in my grandmother's compound and, uh, you know, living there, I got to be with my uncles and the family, the family environment was quite, was quite strong for me. You know, my father was away for the most part in around the world, um, working. So I lived with my mother and my brothers and, and uh, on my grandmother's compound, we had the availability of my uncles and my aunt, uh, was a dancer, a go-go dancer in, in Switzerland. And she came to, you know, Ghana with music from, from it was Sweden actually, I think it was ABBA from Sweden, brought, brought home ABBA records. And, uh, I was introduced to American rock and roll. And, and so coming to New York, it was quite easy to just blend in with the music here because I had really been introduced to it before in Ghana. Mm -hmm. And then uh, your early life as a poet, how did you get involved in writing poetry and writing in general? Was that kind of because your father was working in writing or how did that happen? Well, I have to say that uh, my uncles are all artists on my mother's side. We have theater people, painters and musicians. But poetry for me started naturally. There was no real inkling as far as um, a particular poet. That came later in my life. Um, I started writing poetry. I think it kind of grew, grew my attention to poetry was basically fear, you know, the idea of what's in the closet, what's underneath my bed and watching horror movies like, you know, The Shining or uh, whatever else. So I started writing about what I thought was causing me pain and, and bringing me fear. But uh, it wasn't until I wrote a poem about the Falklands War, uh, the war between the uh, Argentinians and the UK about the uh, territories uh, of the Falklands. Um, and, and this poem was quite interesting in the sense that it touched on politics and uh, current day events. And I have a very uh, favorite memory of one of my classmates holding this poem in his hand and just dancing over the schoolyard. It was quite a beautiful thing, you know. But I got older and I started reading Bukowski, Wallace Stevens. And Bukowski was one of the poets I drew uh, closer to, I think, because uh, of the way he wrote, right? It was kind of matter of fact. It was kind of um, ordinary. And uh, it wasn't intellectual as some of the other poets I was uh, discovering. And uh, I just got a spearheaded from there after reading Bukowski. Mm hmm and the classes you were going to at SVA, were those painting or, or what kind of classes were those? Um, I started off um, with sculpting, uh, the studio, studio art. It was mostly sculpting and um, uh, two-dimensional design and illustration and painting. But the one course that really inspired me was the uh, humanities course of uh, semiotics. Bill Beckley was my professor and um, from what I recently read, Bill Beckley also taught um, Keith Haring, actually. And semiotics kind of opened up my mind to language. I was reading um, uh, Roland Barthes and Baudrillard and, and uh, Bataille. And for me, semiotics was very important because it brought me to the, the need to write, you know, and writing was very important to me then and built a philosophical uh mindset for me but i was much as i was doing the writing i was also doing painting and and illustrating and, and sculpting and and you know and uh that kind of thing mm -hmm. 
And then your early kind of 1990s rock and roll cafe scene life in New York, what was, um, how did that interact with your art school time? Well, and, your, from, and also yeah. the time you were doing art writing at Hunter College, how did that all kind of connect? Well, the thing about the um, art scene in the 90s is that uh, I had discovered a cafe called Heaven and the Heaven was located in the Murray Hill area uh, that's why I met Michael Anderson, by the way. I was sitting at a table one day and he was watching me as I was writing and he saw this guy, this kind of, you know, manic looking guy writing on the table and he came up to me, we started talking and soon enough I was hanging around Michael Anderson, um, going to the um, art openings and, and uh, getting to have a, a, a leg up on what the art scene was all about. So Michael Anderson was a very pivotal friend and mentor back in the 90s. But the Heaven mm -hmm. Cafe scene was really about performance art. You know, I was a rest, musician. Uh, rest, rest in peace, by the rest way. Rest in peace, Michael Anderson. My God, that's quite sad what happened to Michael. But yeah, Michael was very important to me back in the 90s. Uh, we hung out quite a bit. He has such a big heart, you know. I remember Michael inviting me over to his house and cooking me Thanksgiving dinner and meeting his friends. And it was a wonderful time. But mm -hmm. uh, yeah. And then around that time, you were also involved in the theater world, directing, writing plays, that sort of thing. Yeah, that came after I graduated from Hunter College. I uh, sent out uh, a play, a one-act play to um, the Rion Theater. The Rion Theater was a theater uh, in the Tribeca area. And um, the director of the theater liked this play, and he um, staged it for me. So I became a pivotal um, um, theater person at that theater, and I got involved in the Strawberry One Act Festival. It's a festival they put up there. I mean, real theater is no longer what it was. I mean, now the, the director, Bendrick Fisher, rents out spaces and puts on these plays, but uh, I got my foot in there somehow, and I started directing uh, showcases, and my play, Alligator Pass, was nominated for an award, the Arnold uh, Weisberger Award. But I started off with the uh, Strawberry One Act Festivals and quietly started uh, directing my own showcases. Mm -hmm. And then at the same time, you were involved with the iCult Gallery? And that came next. I went from the uh, theater world to the iCult Gallery. Um, the, the, the known Ghanaian artist, Tafa, was the one who got me involved. I met Tafa through my father. And uh, quietly, Tafa became another mentor, much like Michael Anderson. And uh, he told me to just basically go to this new gallery that was opening up in Soho. And I walked in there with my paintings. And uh, Lisa Eichel, the director, took to my paintings. Uh, I had a portfolio of my images, and she loved them. And I became a, a, you know, a person there who was basically a press officer. I was interning as a press officer. And uh, I was the director of the... Um, the um, uh, Liverpool Biennial, as far as uh, the New York base of the Liverpool Biennial, I was writing about the artists, the I called gallery artists like uh, Michael Ricardo, Andrea, the, uh, Irma Canavo, Stefan Fultz, and it basically was the liaison between Liverpool and um, and New York. And I wrote the manifesto for the gallery and. This was the, set, the, the starting point for me as far as getting involved in, in the art world. Because right. on a regular basis, I was basically writing about art and, and speaking to artists. And then 
sometime around there you connected with White Hot Magazine. Yeah, I mean, I, I found that I wanted to do more writing about art. Growing up as a young boy, I wanted to write for art magazines. Um, Interview Magazine was such an important magazine for me growing up. Uh, following on the Warhol all those years was very important to me. And so uh, I saw an ad in, in um, Facebook. I got into Facebook because um, Dana Sweeney, the director of then Transvoyeur Art Initiative, had uh, gotten me involved in online work. We were emailing each other and uh, doing do you projects. Rem do you remember the first time you and I communicated about White Hot Magazine? I do remember. Uh, I think it was an art review you were writing of a, of a show. And then eventually what ended up happening is you did an interview, but it's escaping me what your first interview that you, you interviewed someone for White Hot Magazine. I'm trying to remember. Oh, Suzanne Malouk, wasn't it? There was Suzanne Malouk. Oh, oh maybe it was Lover. Suzanne. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Lover. Uh, yeah, I mean, Suzanne and I go back to Hunter College. I, I uh, have a very fond rec recollection of sitting in front of the school and this lovely woman sat next to me and uh, she took a sigh, a long sigh, and I, I just basically said to her, don't worry about it, it's going to be all right. And uh, we just started talking that night, and I had a reading to do, I had a poetry reading to do, and um, I brought Suzanne Malouk with me to the reading, and, and right. she had a wonderful time. We had pizza that I night. Forgot, and... Actually, you know, I completely forgot about you interviewing Suzanne Malouk. She's, uh, did you read her book, Widow Basquiat? I know. I've, I've heard so many stories about it. She told it's funny about it's funny about Suzanne and Widow Basquiat. You know, she was writing the book at the time we started hanging out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, we used to just hang out quite a bit. You know, and uh, and uh, that night itself, the very first night I met her, was a very legendary night for me because Ooh. we yeah we we had a drink at the bar on uh, first and first. So this was kind of where your East Village life started. Um, what year did you, were you in the East Village the whole time, or when did you move to the East Village? No, I was in the Murray Hill area with Michael Anderson. We both lived in that neighborhood, and um, I kind of moved uh, to the East Village um, in the late uh, 2000s, and mm -hmm. uh, I had moved into the neighborhood there where Dan Dan, um, Dan mm -hmm. Bowen lived. And can uh, I ask you a question? Yeah. When's the last time you you left? When, when is the last time you left Manhattan? It's been, it's been a long time. Well, well, Manhattan, I mean, Brooklyn. I was all over Brooklyn. No, I mean, like, when's the last time you left New York State or left, Man left New York City, so to speak? It's been a long time since I left New York itself. I mean, going to uh, see my brother in, in um, New Jersey or going to see my brother in Maryland. I mean, Maryland, we, we took the family trip to Maryland is quite frequent. But, but I mean, uh, I think you've been in New York City for like a long time, like really like a, a resident of New York City for a long time, right? Yeah, but I've seen, I've seen, I went to New Hampshire dating that art star whose name will remain, you know, untalked about. Um, mm -hmm. Going to New Hampshire was quite important to me. Going to San Francisco was important to me. Going to Rhode Island was important to me. Going to Boston was important to me. Going to LA was important to me. I mean, I've, I've seen America for some reason. I mean, I haven't really lived anywhere else but New York. But I mean, I've do you really... ever just get do you, do you ever just get sort of the the feeling that you want to like rent a 
rent a camper and start driving across America and just sort of do a bohemian poetry tour? Well, that's something I would have done, you know, years ago. Uh, right now, I'm most kind of situated in, in where I am with my art and, and my mind and, and, and uh, mm-hmm. kind of um, who am I, who am I becoming? But yeah, it's, it's, it's a very interesting question you asked me about mm-hmm. living in New York, you know, I mean, I've seen, I've seen America, uh, as far as mm-hmm. I can tell, you know, I've seen enough of, of, of America. It's not the kind of thing where I've traveled all over the world right. and everything. I just find that once you're in Manhattan, it's like the rest of the world just disappears. Yeah, but the first thing about New York also is that people come to New York all the time, right? We have tourists and immigrants coming to New York. Uh, I made a really uh, good connection to a lot of Europeans here uh, over the years. I mean, um, people I've met here in New York come from places like Czechoslovakia, Yugoslavia, Italy, London, um, so yeah, the thing about New York is that people pass through here all the time, you know, so it's not a big deal mm-hmm. as far as seeing the world. I've seen the world through people's eyes here in New York. Mm-hmm. That's interesting too. And then at a certain point, uh, you met Diane Bowen, art, the late artist, the late painter, and yeah. you had uh, an exhibition of collaborative photographs with her called yeah, Dismember, yeah. Dismember the Night. Was that? Yeah, that was quite interesting. Dan Bowen and I met at, um, at, a, at a gallery one night, just, uh, you know, impromptu kind of thing. And I was just basically standing in front of a photograph that uh, somebody she knew had photographed. Um, and we just started talking. I got to sit with her and have a drink with her and that kind of thing. And she invited me over to her house, um, her studio on Second Street. And, uh, you know, she cooked me dinner. It was a beautiful thing because... She knew I was from Ghana, so she just was trying to make Ghanaian food for me, and it was quite interesting. But soon enough, we just started hanging out. You know, I would go over there because I lived not far from her. I'd go over there, we'd have, we'd have coffee and cigarettes and start talking, and it became a regular thing for us to just kind of meet and talk about our politics, that kind of thing. And uh, mm-hmm. one night, I just started photographing her. Um, I think Nikki Johnson, the photographer, was the only one who really photographed her. Mm-hmm. But um, Nikki you know, Johnson, Nikki Johnson, the photographer, the American mm-hmm. photographer, right? Um, she has a show down in Philadelphia, I think. So you all might want to check that out. Um, but yeah, but Nikki Johnson had photographed her before I did, and she wasn't really comfortable in her own shoes. But um, somehow she grew very close to me in the sense that she, I made her comfortable. So we just kind of started working together. But the discovery that I project came about only because um, I had done some photographs of um, my muses, mm-hmm. young uh, models I had photographed um, and done paintings of. And I kind of tried to get her to help me publish these images. I had written poetry as well to go along with these images. Mm-hmm. And um, she and I sat and edited these poems regularly. But when it got to the end of the project, she just said, well, you're on your own now, Kofi. You're on your own. I was like, wow, really, Diane? And so I said, what if we did a project together? What, what if you and I did a project together? So that's what we did. We decided photographing and writing poetry. And uh, the thread poems were basically uh, poems you wrote on Facebook. Um, we'd set up a time on Facebook where she would write the poem and I would follow up with the poem. And she just kind of went back and forth with that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so. And then sometime after that, sometime after that, um... You were leaving White Hot Magazine and you were not 
really writing for me anymore, although we were somewhat in touch. And then you started writing for Arm, Arm's Eye, Gainsayer, and Archidolia magazines? Yeah, yeah. Archidolia is more recent, but those other two magazines were, were back in the, uh, I don't know, four years ago or so. The whole thing about leaving Whiteheart was only because I just kind of felt that um, I had to find myself again. You know, I had depended on you for a lot, you know. Mm -hmm. I mean, the whole scene was changing, right? I had moved from the world I knew before. Diane Bowen had passed away. Joe Hicks Nelson had passed away. I was losing friends on my own. Um, Vickers Gringo was a musician I worked with in the 90s, had passed away. He was close to me, mm -hmm. Michael Anderson now, of course. There was a, a generation of people that we were working with, and a lot of them died within a short period of time. That's true. The thing started with Bowie and Prince, I think. How when Bowie and Prince passed away, there was this kind of influx of all kinds of people passing away. Mm. But um, I wanted to find myself. I wanted to find my own name. And I rely on White Heart too much. And I had moved from that world somewhat. So I branched out and I was kind of focusing a bit more on who I was um, as a black writer, as a black artist. You know, it's the kind of thing where you get to a certain point, you're connected with a lot of white writers and white artists. Um, you're not looked upon as a black anything. You become kind of ridiculed almost as to, well, he's black, but he's not really black. And I was kind of having some problems with that. I had read a book by uh, Ekor Ishan, the Ghanaian writer, Black Gold of the Sun was a book, and it looked What's about it black gold of the sun okay. um, it was a memoir about his life as a Ghanaian also living in England and uh, it was something that kind of um, piqued my interest in a way because I'm you know an American I live in America but I'm a Ghanaian so I was kind of having these dual um, culture responsibilities and so of course Sean was somebody somebody who Pique my interest, but yeah, I was questioning my blackness more or less, which is mm -hmm. more concentrated on my Ghanaianness right now. As a Ghanaian, I'm more centered on that right now. But at a certain point, I was wondering, you know, because there's, there's all this thing with decolonizing and, and and who is really black and who is not really black. And I was struggling. I was struggling with that. Mm -hmm. So I branched out and I was interviewing a lot of black artists like Fohawk Two Feathers and uh, our mutual friend Jessica Karohanga. And um, I was just kind of becoming aware of black artists like Hende Wiley and Kerry James Marshall, Amy Cheryl. And I was just kind of exploring that world. And um, it brought me closer to activists, black activists, art activists, academic activists. And um, soon, sooner or later, I got involved on Twitter, thanks to you. I think it was after I interviewed Tamajanowicz, and you wanted me to promote that article a bit more. And I think the last article I did for you was uh, Tamajanowicz. Mm. Um, so I got I got on Twitter and I got um, involved with uh, originally uh, Samita Nandi. She's known as a fame critic, and uh, she kind of combines uh, media work with celebrity work. And I got involved in that somewhat, following all these different academics on um, on Twitter. Mm -hmm. uh, Samita and I kind of parted ways after a while, but I just kind of held on to the the need to know more about um, activism and, and academics and uh, right. that kind of thing. Huh. And then um, 
here we are in the pandemic. How has the pandemic kind of affected your life? Or is your life somewhat the same even after the pandemic? Well, I mean, I burnt out from the art scene for a while there. And I uh, was trying to branch out. As I said before, leaving White House was a chance for me to get to know myself a bit more. And um, the pandemic has given me that same chance to do that. I think it's helped me realign myself with my art self again. I'm making art again. And uh, today I wake up, you know, haven't slept well. And I'm like, well, what do you know? I want to be an art activist a bit, a bit, a bit more than I've ever been. Um, working with the muses back in the day, working with actors like uh, Debbie Michaelis or Leila Bach, you know, people who are known in the, in the performance world right now, film world and theater mm-hmm. world. Uh, working with artists at the Eichhoff Gallery, as I mentioned, Stefan uh, Fox and Amokanabo, Lucarda. I want to kind of um, do that for artists again. Um, it's nice to kind of see a guy like Brian Leo have his own gallery, and it's quite interesting to me because Brian Leo and I used to hang out quite a bit. Yeah, yeah, Brian, yeah. Brian Leo, Brian yeah. Leo, Brian Leo Projects. I think that's what, that's, I think that's what it's called. Mm-hmm. For, a, formerly, yeah. um, his wife, uh, Amy Leo, was, run, was Amy Lee Gallery. It's the same gallery. No, it's a different location. This one is in Chelsea. Right. They had a child and got married. It, it, uh, I don't know. It seems like since this pandemic starts, started, it seems like a thousand years has gone by. Yeah, it's just a year and a half now. But uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. I think, I think for Even me, less. it's just... It's a year and a couple of months. Uh, it just kind of helped me um, get back to basics. You know, I'm taking two workshops right now, the Artist's Way workshop and uh, the Seven Habits of Highly Effective People workshop. And the Artist's Way is a book written by um, uh, Julia Cameron. And uh, it's just a way to reignite the artist self again, because uh, for me, being blocked for so many years, I um, was struggling to find that voice again. Mm-hmm. And what the artist way workshop has done for me is just kind of open up my mind a bit to uh, who I am as an artist. And um, mm-hmm. it's an know, artist artist writing workshop. Yes, it is. And uh, I'm in in a workshop with a lot of performers and, and artists. And um, I had left that world again. You know, of, um, I had left that world of artists after leaving White Hot because it was such a a normal thing for me to to um, go to the openings and uh, hang out with Diane Bowen and Joe Heaps and Nelson. And well, we missed you at White Hot, but it felt kind of logical because that that generation of writers that I was working with had kind of a lot of them had passed on or a lot of them had actually gone to other magazines and sort of used White Hot magazine as a starting point for their career or whatever it was. But we we had a a good run with a lot of really interesting uh, interviews that you wrote for the magazine. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, the Laurie article, the Leger article, I mean... The, right, the John Lurie, the Phoebe Leger. Um, yeah. it's, I think it's amazing. Now it's like a completely different uh, group of writers working at White Hot Magazine. And um, it's great to have you come in and join the podcast and kind of uh, still be alumni um, part of one of the alumni of, of the magazine. It's interesting to see your pro- progress and, and read some of your other articles and you'd see your poems and your art pop up on social media and Twitter and Instagram. So you're paramedical think paramedical thinker. 
Yeah, I'm part Meta Thinker on, um, on Twitter Instagram. and also on Meta um, Thinker on Twitter. Part Meta Thinker on Instagram. Instagram, I have um, a couple of sites there, a couple of accounts. I have the Parameta uh -huh. Artist account and the Parameta Writer account. The Parameta okay. Artist, I feature most, most of my drawings and uh, things of that nature. Okay. Uh, it's a chance and for, uh, you know, so people can contact you through your through your Instagram or your your Facebook or your Twitter. You can send me a direct message on Twitter or a direct message on Instagram. I'm more than willing willing to respond. Yeah, I mean, okay, great. I was thinking about um, how people are using Instagram and and Twitter and social media to promote themselves, and it's just kind of nice to see, you know. Mm -hmm. It's kind of a yeah. whole new world now. Absolutely. So. Um, Kofi Fosu Forsen uh, is our guest today, and uh, take a look at his art and read some of his writing online, and read some of his uh, previous articles in White Hot Magazine. Thanks for joining us, Kofi. It's great to talk to you. It's a pleasure, Noah. All right, see you soon. You're listening to Art World, the White Hot Magazine podcast with your host, Noah Becker. Visit us on the web at www.whitehotmagazine.com. Visit us on Instagram and Twitter. Thank you for tuning in.